Lately, I have gotten really into a show that I stream on the Roku channel. It's originally played on the Lifetime channel. It's called Escaping Polygamy. So I bet you can guess at least just a little bit what it's about. But let me tell you in a little bit more detail. So there are these three sisters who grew up in a polygamous cult. As children, the three of them made a pact that they were going to get out someday. And they finally did. Now, as adults, they dedicate their lives to helping others escape the cults that they were born into. It's such a freaking good show, you guys. <laughs> and, of course, it sparked my interest in polygamy. Now, in case you're wondering, would I ever be in a polygamous cult? Absolutely, I would not. But... I still find cults and religion very interesting, so I figured that I would maybe talk about it on a couple of my podcast episodes. So I'm going to do a short series on the different polygamous cults that we have in the United States. Now, even if you don't see yourself living a lifestyle like this or you're completely disgusted by it, please just listen anyway, because I think you'll learn some stuff and some of the stuff you'll be like, holy crap. Some of the stuff you'd be like, eh, kind of had a feeling. But in the large scheme of things, I think it might enlighten you just a little bit on what it's like to grow up in a polygamous cult. And you may just be a little more thankful for your life. It may be random. It may at times be heart-wrenching, touching, or humorous. But these stories all have one thing in common. These are all things I find interesting. Polygamy is illegal in the United States in all 50 states, but that doesn't stop certain religious groups from practicing. And though they can only legally be married to one person, they have unofficial marriages to several others at the same time. And due to the illegality of practicing polygamy, it's hard for the government to pinpoint the exact number of families that practice because, of course, it's not going to be on their census reports. So what are some of the groups that are polygamous? What are some of the beliefs that lead these groups to be in a polygamous lifestyle? Well, we're going to find out. <laughs> I do, however, want to say that just because some people practice polygamy, it does not make them bad or evil. While there are some baddies in the belief system of polygamy, there are also a lot of good people who just think that they are doing God's will by being in a plural marriage. All right, so according to some of the online sources I found, um, even though it's common belief that all Mormons practice a polygamy, the Mormon church actually outlawed polygamy in 1890 because they were feeling threatened and kind of forced to by the law. So they disavowed polygamy from their doctrine and actually felt kind of that they were facing um, destruction because of the polygamous lifestyle. But that doesn't mean that every single person in the Mormon church stopped practicing. It just means that they found different ways to practice and different places to practice rather than dissolving their families completely. There are actually many Mormons still in this day and age who believe that polygamy is living out God's will. There were groups of them that formed their own small towns or colonies or sects, sects, 
<laughs> however you want to say it. Um, it was formally believed that to receive the fullness of heaven, a man had to have at least three wives or they'd be damned to hell. So obviously some people still clung to the original teachings, which were considered fundamental. So fun fact, that is why they are called fundamentalist Mormons. And some may find it interesting that despite polygamy being illegal across the nation, it is alive and well all over. And though we can't pinpoint the exact number, it is noted and maybe surprising that the plural living situation is in fact growing. For example, the recorded number of polygamists is around 50,000. State officials in Utah believe that the numbers are actually higher than that. More like around 80 to 110,000 just in the state of Utah alone. 80 to 110,000. That's like, is that like the whole state of Utah or like most of it? I don't even know what the population is there. That's crazy to me. That is a lot of plural marriages and families. And while some are very kind and respectful and the women all get along as well as the man of the family is fair and treats them all very well, there are many who don't get the luxury of living that way. In fact, some studies have concluded that polygamous relationships have a much higher chance of becoming abusive than two-partner relationships do. Sometimes people mistake polyamory for polygamy. These are totally not the same thing. Polyamory means that the person or couple have set rules and boundaries and live with the terms of an open marriage. This is best explained with this example. Jack and Jill are married. Jill is bisexual and therefore there are some needs that Jack is unable to fill for her. However, she loves Jack with her entire being and wants to be with him forever. Jack may still give Jill permission to have another lover that is female so that she can get all of her needs met from both him and the other woman. Polygamy, however, is the act of marrying more than one person while still being married to your legal spouse, and it's usually deeply rooted in the faith of the people who are practicing it. They usually call it a spiritual marriage or a faith marriage. And in some of these groups, there is a lot of respect and the adults make decisions together. But in most cases, unfortunately, the women are simply baby machines trying to have as many kids as possible to grow their religion and faith. And so the reason that these women are more likely to face abuse, physical, mental, or even sexual, is because that their church leaders encourage the men to show dominance over the women. They encourage women to strictly obey, to follow their husbands who are supposed to be the head of the household. Women are discouraged from speaking up or speaking freely and are oftentimes punished if they do. But I don't want my main focus today to be on the group that most people have heard or know about. I want to talk briefly about a few other groups that practice polygamy because just like some Christians are Baptist and some are Lutheran or Catholic or Methodist, those living a plural lifestyle have their differences, even if they're ever so slight. So I decided to do a short series on plural marriage and the cults that practice plural marriage in the United States. So this is just going to be part one today and next week will be part two. 
I'm pretty sure that some of you have probably heard about this religious cult, but I'm not sure how many of you have heard about them in more recent years. The FLDS stands for the Fundamental Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints. Whew. Now we know why they abbreviate it. <laughs> um, you may also recognize the current leader's name, Warren Jeffs, or remember seeing something about them in the news or on documentaries from time to time. They're pretty interesting because the women uh, wear long prairie dresses, reminiscent of something straight out of Laura Ingalls Wilder, but made in the 1980s. <laughs> They have long hair, which is not allowed to be cut, and it's always up in like an 1800s bun. After Mormons got rid of polygamy as a deal with the United States government, there were still those that wanted to keep things the same, as we said before. They took up residence in Hilldale and Colorado City on the Utah-Arizona border, and each time the government tried to break their groups up, rather than disbanding, they only got stronger. And I just kind of want to give a little side note here, just a little fun fact. I'm just going to drop it right here for you. There is actually an FLDS in South Dakota as well. I don't know the exact location and I'm not even sure if anybody really does, but I think it's called like Pickle, South Dakota or something like that. And it's out on the west side of the state. So it's called, we refer to that as West River. Um, that's like out towards like Mount Rushmore and all of them. And as you may know, I live in South Dakota. So when I found out there was a group out here, I was actually really surprised because nobody talks about it. And I mean, maybe nobody wants to because they're kind of like a sad, scary group of people. But there are groups all around the world. And I'm just curious if you know, living in the area, at least like people know about it or talk about it. I don't know. I live all the way over on the east side of the state. So <laughs> no clue. In 1986, Rulon Jeffs dissolved the council government system that was already set up in the FLDS church and ended up ruling for 15 years before dying and passing the torch on to his son, Warren. So I'm guessing that the council government was kind of like a board, like, like a board of trustees or whatever. Um, but in the FLDS, they call their leader, their prophet. So after, of course, Rulon died, Warren became the prophet and started telling people the word of God as told to him by God, because he was their prophet, supposedly. At one point, he also ended up excommunicating some of the younger men to get rid of any competition that the older men may have had when it came to marriage and finding the best wives. That's kind of like a super dick move, I think. And after he took over, Warren Jeffs outlawed swimming and took control of the spiritual marriages. So he would assign women to be wives of certain men and sometimes would reassign them to someone else if they or the husband did something that he didn't like or that didn't jive with what the church taught or believed. In 1978, the Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints finally allowed men of color to hold a position of priests, finally, which angered the FLDS as they are not only extremely misled spiritually, they are apparently also very racist. 
the church was noted as saying that they were extremely upset because people of color obviously belong to the devil because they commit such horrible acts of crime. Yeah, obviously. Because, you know, white people, they never break the law. White people are always pure of heart. Freaking weirdos. And Warren Jeffs was not only a polygamist, but a predator. He would marry girls as young as 12 years old and record their first sexual encounter together. There is one explicit recording which was used in court to show just how messed up he is. And it was him having relations with a 12-year-old girl for their first time together, and he kept asking her if it felt good for her. She was very obviously crying, and it sounded like she was in pain, but she kept saying yes, that it felt good. And afterwards, she thanked him, and she thanked him for caring about her, because apparently that's what you're supposed to do. He also decided to teach his own daughter how to be a good wife, and he ended up sexually abusing her for a few years. He told her she was not allowed to tell anybody about this or she would be punished. If you haven't figured it out yet, Warren Jeffs is just an extremely sick and twisted man. So after Warren's daughter told her husband in 2005 that her father had raped her multiple times as well as other girls, her husband was understandably upset. Warren Jeffs had a warrant out for his arrest and he was being charged with conspiracy to commit rape and two counts of sexual contact with a minor, which of course led him to go on the run because people like him are actually just ginormous cowards. If he didn't think or feel that he was doing anything wrong, why was he on the run? All while this was all happening, Eight other middle-aged male FLDS members were also arrested for similar charges. The accounts for the group were frozen, and Warren Jeffs ended up on the FBI's 10 most wanted list. In 2006, he was arrested after a routine traffic stop. He tried to hang himself in 2007 in his jail cell, like a coward. Okay, I don't think people who commit suicide are cowards, but in situations like this... I feel like he only wanted to kill himself because he didn't want to go on trial and be in prison and be held accountable, let's say that, for his insane behavior. One source says that he was sentenced to two different five years to life for marrying a 14-year-old and her 19-year-old cousin. However, other sources, like his own daughter, have said that he's serving two life sentences and he'll never get out. Now, Warren Jeffs is still running the FLDS today from his prison cell. He has since banned married couples from any intimate contact with each other, which even includes them holding hands. Many believe he's just taking out his sexual frustration on his members who have nothing to do with him being there in the first place. But then he also banned toys. So kids are not allowed to play with toys anymore. And they are supposed to be continuously indoctrinated. Like, come on, dude. You're even blaming the kids now. You're like punishing the kids. I mean, it doesn't surprise me, but seriously. His daughter has escaped the FLDS church and now has her five children with her in an undisclosed city somewhere in the U.S., and still, to this day, 
His followers believe that Warren Jeffs will break free from his two life sentences in prison and come back to their community to rule again. They seriously believe that. They do. It's a little bit reminiscent of Trump supporters, but let's not go there today. The Apostolic United Brethren is based out of Bluffdale, Utah, which is just south of Salt Lake City. They also have a temple in Mexico. And you know how just a little bit ago I mentioned Rulon Jeffs, who passed the leadership torch down to his son, Warren Jeffs? Well, apparently this is a very common name among these groups because... Da, 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 da. This group also had a Rulon, but his name was Rulon Allred instead of Rulon Jeffs. So it's not the same person, guys. And fun fact, you're going to love this one. <laughs> Rulon Allred's wife left him for another man. Her brother, whose name was Rulon Jeffs. Pretty interesting, huh? Interesting. Hmm. Okay, so quick rundown. It goes like this. Unlike a few other sliver groups, as they are called, those who are practicing plural marriage in the AUB get to choose their own spouse and do not need permission or to be set up by the leader of the group. So members of the AUB usually give birth at home, although hospitals are not against the rules. I think they just prefer it. Also, unlike other groups, adults are encouraged to work and everyone is encouraged to get an education. Even going to college is encouraged. Approximately 50% of members end up leaving when they grow up, though, probably because they let them go get an education and go to college. Don't get me wrong. People should be allowed to do these things, but I bet that's what they're doing wrong. Because they get out and they see the world and how it really works and they realize that they are hella brainwashed. The AUB community is very hard to find, even for locals. But one local decided to find it and visit. From the sounds of it, he nearly got lost and then ended up turning down this random road, which actually led him straight to the community. And he said that he had heard that it was a ranch, but it wasn't a ranch. <laughs> he said it was more like a compound. And actually, the pictures he showed on the website look almost like The Handmaid's Tale when they're all living in those like weird apartments that look the same, you know? Apparently, it appeared that there were two large buildings and a couple of smaller buildings that looked like housing units. So he went up to somebody and asked them if the buildings were open to the public, and they said yes. And then the person sprinted away from him. Like he was afraid of the guy who just asked him a question. Weird, right? Like, I kind of feel like I would feel as though I just stepped into like a different like country or different dimension. Like they're afraid to even talk to you. That's so freaking weird. So the guy who wrote the blog I was reading um, said that also it was very obvious that the group did not want him and his friends there even though they were all like LDS members. And that only two people out of a large group of people came and spoke to them. Otherwise people wouldn't even make eye contact with them. They were friendly with each other, but when it came to the outsiders, that sounds normal to me though. My guess is that they were isolated for a reason. 
right? So they encourage college and education, probably so their members can go out into the world after being told how horrible it was and how horrible those people are and get scared or realize that their reader, their leaders were right and telling them the truth or whatever and come running back to the compound. And then they stay there, but their plan backfires like each time. <laughs> He said that he noticed that everyone looked very similar to each other, that the males were all tall and lanky with blonde hair, and the women even looked similar to them. Some were dressed in prairie dresses, but possibly they left the FLDS to come to the AUB. That part, I'm assuming, is because they are possibly all relatives, though. There's a lot of inbreeding that happens in cults like this. I could be wrong because, well, you know... <laughs> What do they say about assuming, right? But, however, as I've been watching Escaping Polygamy and reading more about these groups, incest is really common. It's a really common theme. But they don't see it as inbreeding. They see it as keeping the bloodlines pure because their belief is that they were chosen by God to live the way that they do and everyone else is damned. So to them, marrying siblings, half-siblings, first cousins, or aunts and uncles is the only way to be sure that they do not let any bad blood into their family and therefore ruin the chances of being able to go to heaven. So the writer of this blog attended a church service where they almost did not let him and his friends come in until one of his female friends charmed the elderly man that was trying to keep them out by talking about her pilgrimage through the LDS church. All in all, it sounds like the church service was extremely long. They didn't even stay for the whole thing. Apparently it was supposed to be like two hours long. Um, but the speaker who was up talking was there for like 45 minutes talking and he was the first of many. I guess people were like hunched over playing on their phones out of boredom. People were falling asleep. He and his friends just kept feeling like more and more uncomfortable, like almost like I'm guessing like almost like anxious to get out. <laughs> he said that the church services have different members do an impromptu or it's supposed to be impromptu speech. And the only one he witnessed was about 45 minutes long. Sorry. I already told you that. And he was the first speaker. So the speaker talked about how they cannot rest until they have saved all of the Mormons and the Lamanites. I'm about to tell you what Lamanites are. You guys are probably, some of you are going to get so pissed because that's how I felt. Okay. So, the Lamanites are apparently Native Americans and Mexicans. They are believed to have been white once upon a time, but because of their sinful ways, God cursed them by giving them darker skin. That is what they believe, I guess. Yep. Anyway, so they feel that they need to save regular Mormons or LDS members and Lamanites and enter them into polygamous marriage before it's too late so that they can also go to heaven. I wish that I could do a mic drop right now. Dude. I think that next time my aunt tells me that I am not living right, I might have to, 
I might have to like, you know, educate her a little bit. Holy balls. This is, <laughs> it's mind blowing. I mean, I wrote this, I wrote, I wrote my script for this, but I, I still, I cannot like, it still blows my mind when I read that, that they think people with dark skin have dark skin because they sinned. So why would little babies have dark skin? How did babies sin? Literally, how did babies sin? Because I don't know if they, I mean, do they believe in original sin like the Catholics do? Or this is so weird, you guys. Okay. Whew, I'll be right back. Now, here is the one that I've been looking so forward to speaking with you all about because this is actually the polygamous cult that the three sisters from escaping polygamy came from. They have since helped several of their siblings and other members escape. And I must say, I cry about every single episode, but there was one episode in particular that made me ugly cry. I'll hopefully get to that in a few moments. But first, let's learn a little bit about the order, as the members call it. The Latter-day Fellowship of Christ is actually one of the most controversial splinter groups of the LDS Church. It was founded in 1935, and the Kingston family has been in charge of it since its founding. And there's a couple of reasons this group is well known. One is because they are very big on polygamous marriages and are very big on keeping it in the family. And I don't know if that's even really a thing that they keep on the down low, but as mentioned earlier, the reason for the incest is to keep the family bloodline pure. The second reason that they are pretty well known is because they have several business enterprises that they have used to launder money. They also very much like control, so they are strict about obeying the church leaders. Also, if you live in the area, you probably know more than I do about this order because they seem to be pretty powerful and have quite a legacy. Their current leader is Paul Eldon Kingston, who took over in 1987. It is estimated that he has 34 wives and, get this, over 500 children. I guess several of his wives have had as many as 16 children each. You may be wondering how someone can afford that. And the answer is they cannot. There have been reports from former members who said that they were starving as children and they would always go dumpster diving for food or they'd get the old withered moldy food from the grocery store. How crazy. Okay. Like first off, you obviously don't know all of your children. And I realize that in the Kingston clan, the only people who are allowed to call the men dad or father are the first wife's children. The rest of the children have to call them by their first names and respectable title. But for a group of people who are so concerned about the outside world being unworthy of God, they sure do not take care of their own. And not just with the food. The living conditions of some of the wives and their children are horrid 
and they would not pass an inspection. How is that loving your wife as Christ loved the church? They're located in northern Utah, of course, near Salt Lake City and Bountiful. There are 5,000 members of their clan, as far as has been verified. But it's actually estimated that there could be as many as 10,000 members. They're very secretive about their members and the numbers of membership. And it's probably because they know they're kind of on everybody's radar, I'm guessing. Some core beliefs that they have are pre-existence, which actually means that they believe that they existed in heaven before they were born, where they were there to choose whether they wanted to live on earth and follow Jesus or go to hell and spend eternity with Lucifer. The people who chose Jesus were then born to live on earth and follow him. So that's kind of weird to me because they believe everyone on earth has chosen to live there and follow Jesus, right? So why do they refuse to talk to people outside of their church? When members want to leave, they are threatened and then shunned. Sometimes they're kidnapped and they're put in a secret place so that they can be mentally and sometimes physically abused into believing that the church is where they belong. I guess I just don't understand how they can really justify this with what they're supposedly preaching and believing. They also believe in the plan of salvation, which apparently just goes along with preexistence. This belief teaches that God gives each one of his followers the chance to become just like him after they choose to come to earth and follow Jesus. And of course, they believe in the Book of Mormon. And like the other two groups we've touched on, they believe that the only way to make it to the celestial kingdom is through polygamy. I'm going to be 100% honest here, okay? I'm really not sure why they can't just call it heaven like everyone else. But in the spirit of things, I'll try to remember to refer to it as the celestial kingdom instead of heaven for the rest of the episode. They also believe in something called free agency, which is on their website, and this is how it's described. We believe that all individuals have the right to do whatever they choose, as long as they do not force, suppress, restrain, deprive, jeopardize, or interfere with the rights of others. And that person who commits the acts of this kind should be punished according to the laws of the land in which they reside. That's interesting. So basically, they say that they believe this and they do the opposite. When former members have said that they wanted to leave or the head of the family somehow found out, they would sometimes be kidnapped, beaten almost to death, institutionalized for fake addictions, etc. until they just agree to stay. They also start preparing girls for marriage as young as 10 and 11 years old. And these girls, like the rest of the females in the order, are not really allowed to say no or to have a voice or a choice about any of these things. So the episode of Escaping Polygamy that I was mentioning before at the very beginning when I was introducing you to a bit of the Kingston clan showed the three girls who escaped hanging out with their younger siblings. You see, 
Their mother and siblings were supposed to cut them out of their lives after they left, but they didn't. And they would sometimes see them. And they were trying to convince their mom to take the kids and leave. Since their mom is not a first wife, she's more like a sixth or seventh. She has more rights to her children than her celestial husband had because they were not legally married. So as you can guess, it's harder for a first wife to leave. But they have done it. Well, anyway, the older sisters were hanging out with their two younger sisters and talking about everything going on in the younger two sisters' lives. And the older of the two younger sisters, who was 11 at the time that this episode was filmed, started talking about marriage and how she doesn't want to get married and she isn't ready to get married. She thinks it's gross that a grown-up man would want to marry a kid. Then she said something. And as I said, pretty much every episode makes me cry. But when this little girl said what I'm about to tell you, I absolutely lost it. I felt that ugly cry feeling like sick to my stomach. You know, I felt like I was going to vomit. I just could not hold it in. I actually had to give the show a break for a couple of days to calm myself down. But like the news... The people who are forced to live this way can't just shut their TV off and forget about it. Anyway, let's get back on track. The girl said, I just don't want to. It's gross. Whatever. I don't matter anyway. Of course, her sisters were like, yes, you matter. Why would you say that? And she explained, because I'm just a person and soon I'll be married, and it doesn't really matter what I feel about it. And then the camera panned to her nine-year-old sister, who was sobbing because, understandably, she was scared too. Not only is she scared for her sister, she's probably scared for herself. It was sad and disgusting, and I wanted to just reach into that TV and hug those little girls. But there is a light at the end of this dark story, because... The good news is their mom left shortly after that conversation was had, like literally in the same episode. And so far in the series, they haven't gone back and nobody has tried to get them. It could change when I watch it next, but at this very moment, they are out and they're safe. But this is what polygamy looks like from the inside. Grown-ass men marry little children and get them pregnant right away so that they can pop out as many kids as possible so the cycle can continue all over again. And so many of us, we live normal lives and we don't even know this stuff is going on across the country from us. The same exact supposed United States of America that we live in. We are supposed to be the land of the free, and yet there are people trapped in situations like this. And now the Supreme Court is going against popular beliefs and votes and overturning our rights as women. This isn't just about whether or not we can or should be able to terminate pregnancies if we feel it's our best option. This is about so much more than that. Women did not fight and lose their lives to get the vote to still be treated like this in 2022. 
I wish I could join the fight and get people out of scary situations being forced to be a mother at such a young age, but you know what? It's not much different out here anymore either, is it? With the laws that they are trying to pass in conservative states, they are doing the same things to 11, 12, 13, 14-year-olds who are being forced into sex by an adult man, maybe a teacher, maybe a creepy uncle, or maybe their mom's boyfriend or new husband. And the conservatives still argue that if you don't want a baby, you shouldn't make one then. And it's disgusting because consent has never, ever even been a consideration in this situation, ever. Okay, I'm kind of going over on time, but this is just so... Okay, so they also believe in the law of satisfaction, which basically says anybody in a power role, such as a leader or parent or manager must exercise their position through long suffering and never by force. Each person of power needs to create a safe space for people to thrive rather than for them to fail. Treating others as they would like to be treated. Golden rule, right? Support each other. Empathize with them. Are they into this? No. This is just not their jam at all. Pleasing obedience is the belief that you think first about the needs of the church rather than yourself. The pedophiles don't seem to follow this rule. Oh, I'm sorry. Should I be calling them men? No, they don't deserve to be called men because people who want to have sex with little children are called pedophiles. So let's call them what they are. So basically, they want people to blindly follow and not think for themselves. They don't like being called a cult, but that's what cults believe, right? Of course, right. They also state that they believe marriage is a lifelong commitment and should not be coerced. I mean, grooming is a form of coercion, right? That's how I see it anyway. So the adult men groom these little girls into believing that their hormones that are raging because of their changing bodies is actually because they're in love and they're meant to be married. Mm, That sounds like coercion to me. Then they go on to say that they believe that marriage should not be conducted until both parties are of legal age of consent. They supposedly believe that the government should have no say on who they marry as long as they are two consenting people who were not coerced in any way. Unless you're gay. Or black. Then just no. There have also been things on record about women dying in childbirth due to things like preeclampsia, which is normally something easily treated. But because they participate in incest as well, they didn't want to seek medical treatment so that they wouldn't get in trouble for incest. So this brings me back to them wanting to keep their bloodline pure and proclaiming deformities won't happen because they are chosen by God. If, if they don't think that they're doing anything wrong by siblings marrying each other and having babies together, then why are they so afraid of being found out? But also, 
They claim on their website that they love the United States and follow all of the laws of the land, which by now we all know is not true. And I'm certain that locals also know it's not true, but unfortunately, they are so great at hiding things that I'm sure that it's super hard to even prove any of this. So, this is all just a huge mind fuck for people, especially those who are actually able to escape. I'm sure that they will have to have therapy for years and years. Is there any hope that someday everyone will be free of this group? Because it doesn't really sound like it to me. Which is sad enough, but I wonder how long they can keep going with this incest before it becomes terribly obvious that there is some really sick and twisted stuff going on behind the scenes. Well, behind closed doors is more like it, I guess. What the world sees is pretty messed up, but what's going on when nobody is watching is the scariest part. I guess I can count my blessings today that my trauma I've experienced in my life so far is nothing compared to what these strong women and children are able to escape from in basically our very own backyards. Thank you for listening. This has been Things I Find Interesting. I'm your host, Kelveda. Until next time. <laughs>